Hello, everyone. I'm Heather Ward, SCA's Senior Manager of Content Strategy, and you're listening to the SCA Podcast. Today's episode is part of our SCA lecture series dedicated to showcasing a curated selection of the extensive live lectures offered at SCA Specialty Coffee Expo and World of Coffee events. Check out the show notes for relevant links and a full transcript of today's lecture. As we're taking some time to work through our 2019 lecture recordings from Expo, we thought we'd take this time to share a great content from 2018 that hasn't been released yet. If you want to see live lectures in person, visit worldofcoffee.org for a full schedule of our lecture series in Berlin this June. Today's lecture explores the different chemical and physical markers that characterize espresso extraction. By using TDS, acidity, caffeine, and chlorogenic acids extractions of different grinders, machines and brew ratios can be compared to each other. Recent studies by Dr. Marco Wellinger's lab have demonstrated that for a given roasted coffee's TDS, as measured by a refractometer, correlates well with the content of a range of components in the coffee brew, such as caffeine, chlorogenic acids, and titratable acidity. Dr. Marco Wellinger is a Q Arabica grader and research fellow in the group of Shahan Uretzian at the Institute of Chemistry and Biotechnology at ZHAW Wadenswil in the field of chemistry, technology, and sensory analysis. His fields of research are instrumental analysis of volatile aroma compounds from coffee, espresso machine and grinder technology, as well as sensory analysis of coffee. He was the lead author in the Heritage SCAE water chart published in 2016. This presentation gets very technical, so we recommend listening while looking at presentation slides. There's a link to them in the episode description. I'll jump in occasionally to help you follow along. Hello, everybody. Um, first off, uh, I'd like to thank the organizers for giving me the opportunity to give a talk here. It's actually um, a talk I've uh, also given uh, back in, uh, in Europe at least twice, and um, yeah, hopefully uh, <clears throat> you'll, uh, you'll all enjoy it. The title is called, as you can see, um, Tracking and Tweaking Your Extraction. Honestly, it's more about the tracking part up till now. Uh, my name is uh, Marco Wellinger. I work at the Zurich University of Applied Sciences in Switzerland. And uh, first up, a little bit about me, why I'm standing here in the first place. I started out um, about 12 years ago with um, enjoying espresso, and uh, I got into it. I, uh, with preparing espresso, I, lo- um, I got different machines, for example, like this uh, small um, Gotcha Classic, where I even bothered to put in a PID, even though it has such a small boiler that the temperature drops uh, by 5 degrees or like 10 Fahrenheit during the extraction anyway. I also own, um, um, yeah, but at least I got a reproducible starting point. <clears throat> I also got a, a, like a manual lever, Olympia Cremina, and uh, my workhorse at the home is usually the, the GS3 you, uh, you can see there. And then about uh, six years ago, I got into coffee research. And uh, what we do there is uh, all sorts of um, research relating to coffee. We have um, uh, grind, uh, grinding machine manufacturers, coffee machine manufacturers, or roasting machine manufacturers. Um, initially, we were mostly specialized on aroma analysis. But nowadays, we do a lot of other stuff too, like non-volatile analysis um, and um, also sensory analysis. So espresso technology is complex. <clears throat> you have standard parameters, uh, which are coffee freshness, particle size distribution, so the grind, 
the evenness of the puck and water flow. And there are a couple of newer parameters. PID control has been around now also almost 10 years, I guess. Um, then uh, more and more machines also offer the option to uh, do pressure and flow rate profiling. And lastly, water composition has also been uh, um, an issue. And uh, nowadays, uh, there are even some manufacturers who uh, introduced real-time monitoring of the water quality that goes into the machine. But uh, there's, um, I think those machines are not on the market yet, but uh, um, I'm, I'm curious how, how, how it will work. It's certainly a good idea to start this. So tracking your extraction quality indicators of, for your cup. If the, on the one side you have the machine technology, which, uh, which is ever getting more complex, <clears throat> um, sensor evaluation you, um, is certainly feasible, but it's hard to conduct in an objective and reproducible manner. It just takes a lot of uh, people uh, and a lot of time, especially if you also want to cover it, um, if you want to have a result that represents different target groups, like different markets with different cultural backgrounds and preferences. So... Um, if you measure chemical and physical markers, this offers you the, a chance to uh, characterize an extraction independent from, from personal preference. So what are the most important character, uh, markers that characterize your extraction? I'd start off with uh, TDS and what it is. TDS is, uh, simply put, a measure of how much coffee is in your beverage. Uh, it's about actually dissolved solids, otherwise... Um, particles that get into the beverage because it wasn't filtered uh, completely would be included by their full weight. So, for example, if you do a French press and you'd have, uh, <clears throat> like, this typical sludge at the bottom of your cup, all these fine particles, if you wouldn't filter it, they would account by, with their full weight, even though they weren't maybe extracted full, uh, fully. They would be accounted uh, in dissolved solids. Um, or no, in the solids. <clears throat> so classically, the method to do this is uh, weighing, uh, weighing and evaporation. It's an expensive method, and it's rather slow because it usually takes uh, a matter of a couple of hours. On the other hand, um, measurement by refractometry is, uh, is a very fast uh, measurement, and it's also uh, very precise. Uh, what I want to address here also, uh, which uh, because it's an issue that uh, I've encountered a couple of times, is that... Um, there's TDS of water and TDS of coffee. And the two, uh, unfortunately, go by the same name, but uh, they use very different principles to actually measure it. TDS of water is based on, uh, or at least as it is used in the coffee community, it's based on electrical conductivity. So here's a <clears throat> kind of a, a comparison of the two. So TDS of beverages, as I said, is based on refractometry. The measurement range you usually are there is uh, somewhere between 0.1% up to 20%. Uh, technically, you could also go higher than 20%, but it's, um, this is quite rarely used only. Um, and it's a high precision method. You have uh, less than a 5% uh, relative error, which is uh, something like uh, yeah, what, what is standard for uh, analytical measurement devices also in a, in a lab. The TDS of water, on the other hand, as I said, is based on electrical conductivity. And the range is about thousandfold lower. So we start at um, a ten thousandth of a percent, and you go up to 0.1% maybe. So, or in ppm, which is uh, parts per million, like percent is parts per hundred, and ppm is parts per million, it would be one to a thousand. 
And this only gives you a rough estimate. Uh, typical, error, typical, typical errors lie around uh, 30%, but this actually, if you have uh, this error, or if, if your error is actually much larger, it depends a lot on the actual co uh, composition of your water. So uh, you, if you don't know what exactly you have, this is uh, only going to be a rough estimate always. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 10, titled TS versus TDS. Um, so back to the TDS of, of coffee beverages. Um, I want to say a few words about um, what I addressed before already, uh, the, like the total solids against total dissolved solids. Um, if you take total solids, then all particles present in your beverage count towards, uh, towards this number of total solids. But uh, in contrast to this, if you have total dissolved solids, only uh, substances that actually have been extracted and dissolved into your beverage account, uh, count towards total dissolved solids. And uh, when you compare different extraction methods, also the, the, two, uh, the ratio between the two uh, also varies. So, for, for example, for filter coffee, as you filter it through a very fine paper filter, the two won't be much different. That's also why you don't have to actually filter your sample if you take uh, TDS measurements of, um, of a filter coffee. But on the other hand, if you do French press or, uh, or, ex or espresso, where you have quite a lot of uh, suspended solids, uh, the difference between the two can vary and, and it's, it can be quite significant. So here I got a slide uh, illustrating this. Uh, total solids versus total dissolved solids. It's a series of duplicate French press uh, extractions we conducted at 50, 60, and 70 grams per liter. And uh, as you can see with the, by, by the graph, uh, the unfiltered method overestimates the extracted solids by about 7%. So you can see that um, down at the bottom on the horizontal axis, we have TDS filtered, so dissolved. And here we have the unfiltered ones, and they're always about 7% higher. But of course, this will not only depend on the extraction method you choose, if it's 7% or if it's more or less, but it will also depend on uh, the actual mesh of your French press. It will uh, depend on uh, the grind degree. The finer you grind, the higher uh, percentage of fines you have. And then the, the more fines will also end up in your cup. So it's certainly a good idea to filter them. Next up, in the chemical markers, um, we have uh, chlorogenic acids and caffeine. The two are, uh, are among, uh, among the most abundant substances in coffee. Chlorogenic acids are uh, related to positive health effects from coffee. We use the plural here because um, it's actually not a single substance, but it's a whole group of substances which have uh, similar properties. Um, Chlorogenic acids are uh, negatively correlated with roast degree, so light roasts contain more chlorogenic acids than dark roasts. Also, um, the faster you roast, the more chlorogenic acids will be retained, and the slower you roast, the, the more they will be degraded. Uh, caffeine, on the other hand, is almost constant uh, across different uh, roast levels, because um, after first crack, when you have barely any water left in your bean, um, the little amount of, uh, of uh, weight you lose from your bean is about the same percentage as the caffeine overall. So uh, mostly <clears throat> you'll, you'll end up with the same caffeine content whether you do a light roast, a medium, or a dark roast. So um, now I want to show you some examples on uh, how we actually apply uh, these chemical markers to, uh, to find something about, uh, about extraction. Uh, 
First up, we have um, a study where we used three different grinders and one machine, and we uh, burned through 300 kilos of coffee. And uh, it was a performance study on uh, grinders from fully automatic machine, actually for home use. One, we had one from Italy, one from Switzerland, and one from Germany. And uh, the coffee we used was not really um, what, uh, what you would call the specialty coffee, uh, uh, typically, because it, it contains between uh, about 60% Arabica and 40% Robusta. But this uh, reflects uh, kind of the average coffee that is being sold on the mass market, at least in Switzerland. And I guess in a lot of parts of the world, uh, it's still the norm that the uh, kind of the coffee for the masses still contains a significant amount of Robusta. And uh, then in order not to compare the extractions of the different machines with each other, but really just the grinding, we extracted the ground coffee on one single machine via the, the ground powder inlet chute. So what we did was um, we measured physical and chemical characteristics of, um, of the brews we produced this way uh, over the course of grinding 100 kilos on each of the grinders. We had a, a first step after one kilo, 25, 50, 80, and 100 kilos. And we did two different, um, uh, we always did two different beverages. We did a Lungo or Café Crema, which, uh, and uh, on the other hand, we did a, an espresso. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 16, titled TDS Plotted on the Brewing Control Chart. So here's the first part of data. We have 180 extractions at two different brew ratios. I plotted them on the Brewing Control Chart. So um, since we have two different uh, beverage types with a constant brew ratio, we have the Lungo down, down at the bottom. You can see it here. These are all the Lungo extractions. They're extracted at a brew ratio of about 12 and had TDS in the range of 1.5 to 2.4%. On the other hand, we had the espresso at a brew ratio of 4, and uh, some, of, some of you might uh, smirk a bit because uh, this is, again, not something that is very representative of specialty espresso because most people in specialty, they pull the espressos rather uh, around maybe brew ratio 2. I'll get into that um, a bit more later on. Um, but anyway, this uh, was for us a good compromise between what is used in specialty coffee and what is used in, uh, in the mass market, uh, the ratio four. Okay, now I switch the axis. We don't have any more the TDS up here, but we actually um, uh, plotted it against the acidity, but it looks pretty much the same. Um, and what we refer to as acidity here is uh, the titrable acidity to pH 6.6. And this correlates quite well with the sensory perception of acidity. And for the sake of simplicity, I'll just refer to this uh, as acidity on all further slides. And um, we prefer to use this over, over pH because, um, as I said, this correlates better to, uh, sen to the sensory impression of acidity. And uh, what you do there in a lab is basically take your coffee beverage and you, um, which are usually at a pH quite low, like pH 4, pH 5, so they're quite acidic. And what you do there, you add the opposite of an acid to it, a base, or lye, and you add so much lye until your pH reaches 6.6 again. And then you can measure how much acids were in the cup that actually react with your tongue to, to give you this uh, acidic impression. 
But of course, this correlation of um, what we measure in the lab and what is perceived uh, on your tongue only holds, holds up to a certain point. You all know that if you go to um, a completely over-extracted beverage, that the acidity perception will actually decrease again. But this is not so much um, because uh, you actually have less acidity in your cup, but because other um, extracted compounds overlay your, the impression of acidity, that compounds that are bitter or astringent. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 18, titled TDS Predicts Acidity Precisely. So if I put the two uh, different um, um, beverages, beverage types together, on one scale, I, um, I get this graph, and you can see that TDS correlates uh, very nicely with acidity over the whole range, because before I always had extraction yield down here, and then they split up because they're differently concentrated, but if you plot it at uh, acidity against TDS, you see down here we have, uh, again, the Lungo extractions, and up here we have the Espresso extractions. And you can see even the, the outlier up here um, is still very close to the, to the fitted line. And um, what is nice here is um, not only is the acidity uh, kind of a, a linear function of TDS, but it actually goes through zero. So this means it's directly proportional. If you have double the TDS, in this case, uh, yeah, no, it's not double, but uh, you have a, a ratio of 144 times the TDS. So if you uh, increase your TDS down here by one increment, the acidity will go up the same amount as it will go up here. So acidity is directly proportional to TDS because, uh, as I said, it goes through zero. If I do the same for pH, you get a huge scatter. Uh, as I mentioned, you see that uh, the line doesn't really correspond well, and this is not just because pH is a logarithmic scale and, and, uh, and such. Even if you do it in, the, in straight concentrations, you'll also get the same scatter. Okay, next up, we have um, uh, professional machines, which we studied. We uh, compared a fully auto machine uh, with a hybrid and a semi-auto. The hybrid is, I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with it, a hybrid is basically a machine that grind, grinds, doses, and temps by itself. And the only thing the user has to do uh, is at the end of the extraction, it takes out the portafilter, uh, empties it, and puts it back in. There are a few uh, manufacturers who uh, came up with this concept. Uh, and the, yeah, the performance test was basically to find out how well or how they compare to each other. And we all adjusted all the different machines. Uh, we adjusted to produce um, an optimal uh, beverage from a sensory point of view. And uh, we ended up in um, all of the extractions ended up in the SA optimum of 18 to 22% of extraction yield. We had one exception. Uh, one local coffee was actually um, a bit under extracted at 16.6%. Getting to the results, um, first up, I got. Um, uh, correlation of TDS against caffeine. Um, what I haven't mentioned yet is that in this experiment we used uh, two different beverage types <clears throat> and um, two different roast degrees. So down here we have a Lungo with a medium roast. Then up here we have um, three types of espressos. Two of them were uh, extracted with a uh, with a darker roast, and one of them was extracted with a medium roast. And you see that all of them line up on the same graph. And this is what I mentioned in the introduction, that caffeine, even though um, we roast one coffee was roasted darker, 
it was the same beans, but they were roasted darker, they still got the same correlation of caffeine to TDS. And again, <clears throat> this line goes almost perfectly through zero because this is a, a small number. So regardless of where you are, caffeine is always, caffeine in milligram per gram of beverage here is always 55% 50 of TDS, which is a, a nice result that we, we saw that uh, regardless of uh, beverage type or even roast degree, we got the same correlation. If you go then to um, acidity, uh, we got the picture that we actually also expected to get because, uh, yeah, as uh, probably everybody here knows, that um, acidity goes down after first crack, overall acidity. So the darker you roast the coffee, the less acidity will, it, it will contain. And so only the medium roasts down here from the Lungo and the Espresso line up, but the dark roasts, they kind of drop down because at the same TDS, they contain less acidity. Again, we have uh, quite a small intercept, like the, where the line uh, hits, the, hits the axis is uh, quite close to its, I mean, the number 43 obviously is not really close to zero, but if you compare it to, to this one here, it basically means that if you are at a TDS of uh, 0.2 or 0.3, then, then uh, you're already at, the, um, <clears throat> at an acidity of, of zero, kind of, so it's... Uh, only in the range down here below 0.5% TDS, you couldn't use it, but up here, like from 2% up to 7-8%, uh, it holds well. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 23, titled, CGA correlates with TDS within one roast level. Then go to the chlorogenic acid, we see pretty much the same picture as we saw for the titrable acidity. As I mentioned, the chlorogenic acids, they get degraded with uh, 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 with the progressing roast level. And um, we pretty much got the same picture again. Uh, the medium roast line up well, the dark roast drop down. Uh, so next up is, uh, is a short, inter uh, short kind of um, interlude about uh, espresso and uh, what it actually is. There are uh, very different points of view of uh, what consumers expect and what the industry actually offers. Traditionally, there's been um, um, a few definitions around for espresso. There's the Illy book, which is now also, I think, something like 15 years old at least. They defined espresso um, beside other parameters like pressure and water temperatures. They defined espresso as using a ground coffee dose of 6.5 grams plus minus 1.5 uh, grams to a beverage volume of 20 milliliters plus minus 5. Then the Instituto Nazionale dell'Espresso Italiano, uh, INEI, um, has also a definition which is kind of close to uh, the Italy one. They use seven grams plus minus a half uh, to a beverage volume of 25 milliliters plus minus two and a half. So it's actually a bit of a, a smaller range they, they allow for. Then we got, uh, I got some number from, for typical specialty coffee or WBC espresso. Um, I, um, I, uh, I mean, of course, everybody extracts doubles there, but I kind of calculated it down for a single to be comparable to the other definitions. So ground coffee dose is usually around 9 grams, plus minus 1. Beverage weight is then 18 grams, plus minus 3, and the beverage volume is about 30 milliliters. So if you put this into a graph, it will look something like this. 
You see these bars here, which re, uh, represent the espresso brewing ratio. So it's uh, the mass of the beverage divided by the mass of the coffee you use. So if you prepare a 36-gram espresso shot with 18 grams of coffee, you have a brew ratio of 2. So you can see I listed, uh, well, unfortunately I still haven't uh, included the, uh, the newest barista champion, but you can see that uh, most of the past uh, were, uh, barista champions were quite close to the brew ratio of two. Here I got uh, numbers from James Hoffman. Uh, he uh, did a poll on uh, what uh, brewing ratios people used, and he got something like uh, 2,000 uh, replies. So it was quite a lot of people who replied there. And uh, the range where 90% of people responded was around, oh, sorry, actually it was shifted a bit. It should, the error bar should be from 1.5 to 2.5. Then if you go over here, then here I got the ELI definition I had before, and you see here you have a huge range indicated. And this is because they define the beverage based on volume, including crema. And then if you play around with the numbers, you uh, take a lower dose, <clears throat> for example, uh, within the variations they allow for, you take a lower dose and a bit of higher beverage volume, um, you get a huge spread because you never know <clears throat> what exactly the crema volume is that they assume. If you go out to, um, to specialty coffees, often you get something around uh, 10 milliliters of crema, but it could also be 5 or 50 milliliters. And this, of course, impacts the, the actual brewing ratio a lot. Then uh, INAE is a bit uh, tighter, as I said. Then we, here we have capsules, which are actually quite a dilute preparation, comp considering that they're usually called espresso. We have brewing ratios of, um, of around four up to eight. Then I also plotted a typical semi-auto extraction in, in Switzerland, which is often around uh, a brewing ratio five. Uh, a typical professional fully auto is usually a bit lower, uh, brewing ratio four and the typical fully auto uh, in, in, um, at home is at the brew ratio of three. But this is not because they actually pull concentrated shot, but because uh, most fully automatic home machines are very inefficient. They often have extraction yields in the range of 15% and lower, so 10 to 15%. So what they do is they, they just use loads of coffee. And then you end up with a kind of an artificially uh, low brewing ratio, or like a more concentrating brewing ratio. But if you would look at the TDS, they would actually not read higher than, than these two here. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 28, titled Brew Ratios from Espresso to Filter. So um, next, uh, what we did is combining the brewing control chart with uh, the chemical markers I showed you before. But uh, if, before I go into more details, I want to give you a quick primer on the brewing control chart. I guess um, mostly everybody will be familiar with this one. This is the brewing control chart as, from the Heritage SCAA, uh, <clears throat> which has been developed for filter coffee. And um, what you note here is that they, they also use the, the term brewing ratio, but usually or traditionally it has been um, <clears throat> used to... Uh, to uh, define the coffee dose, so 60 gram per liter of coffee. Or you could do it, of course, in ounces and, uh, ounces and pounds, too. But the important thing is that they use the brewing water <coughs> and not the beverage weight. So uh, if you then would, um, yeah, I guess I'll go to the next one. 
because this makes a big difference. For espresso, usually it's not possible to determine how much brewing water you used because you, uh, you still have a wet pocket at the end. You have uh, some that gets exhausted through the solenoid, which, uh, which makes it difficult to uh, actually uh, measure the, the amount, exact amount of brewing water. So for espresso, people have naturally gone to a, a brew ratio, what I call it, not brewing, because I refer to the brew, the beverage, and not the water I used to brew it. Um, they used um, the ratio of coffee dose <clears throat> to the beverage weight. Uh, I think one of the first people who used this was Andy Schechter. And um, yeah, what you end up with is a brewing ratio. Often it also has been expressed in percent that you say, like um, if you make uh, the traditional uh, brew, brew ratio two, I call it, they would call it 50%. But I prefer the other number because uh, this makes it easier if you go to filter coffee and you say uh, 60 gram per liter. <clears throat> is actually, if you go to the traditional brew ratio, they would call it a brew ratio of 16 point, 16 and a half or something like that. Uh, but this is based on the brewing water. But if you take the beverage, then you're at 14 and a half. Uh, but this is, of course, these like, if having numbers like 15 or 16 is probably handier than uh, throwing around percentages in the range of 0.15% or 0.18%. But the, the important thing is that uh, by using brew ratio, you can actually come up with a very easy equation to relate uh, brew ratio um, and extraction, which I, uh, which I show here. So extraction is nothing else than the strength multiplied by brew ratio. So, for example, if you have an es espresso at uh, a strength of 10% TDS and you use the brew ratio of two, then you automatically know this, uh, this corresponds to an extraction yield of 20%, because 10 times two is 20. And uh, you could do the same for filter coffee. If you have a brew ratio of 14 and the strength of one and a half, then this gives you an extraction yield of uh, 21%. And uh, I saw that some people, they, they now also suggested to come up uh, with a brewing control chart for filter coffee using brew ratios, but what I saw so far is that they actually used the brewing water instead of the beverage mass, and then I think this will lead, uh, inevitably lead to confusion because then you have kind of two different numbers uh, which look kind of similar, but they're not actually the same. So I would, I would uh, very much welcome if, um, if uh, you switch to a kind of this type of ratio for filter coffee, that they actually would use beverage mass and not brewing ratio. I mean, of course, it's still very useful to have this 60 gram per liter, these doses, but um, to actually uh, calculate or do something with it, I think brew ratio uh, defined this way is, is handier. Plus, it's the same then for espresso and for filter coffee. Okay, if you then plot it into a graph, uh, it can look something like this. Filter coffee at uh, the brew ratio of 15 gives you a TDS of around 1.2 to 1.4 in the, in the SCA optimum or WBC espresso, a typical one with a brew ratio of two is in a range of eight to 12% TDS. And you can see one brew ratio always represents one line. So we have the filter coffee of a brew ratio of 15 down here, like a more dilute espresso, brew ratio six here, uh, then four, three, and brew ratio of two. And as I said, if you're at 10% TDS, brew ratio 2, then you end up at 20% extraction yield. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 30, 
titled An Unexpected Result from a Fully Auto. So what, what are we doing with this then? What we want to do is we want to track the extraction throughout um, over time. So throughout, not just uh, measure the end result, but actually measure how the extraction develops over time. Matt Perger was, I think, one of the first to introduce this. Um, and uh, what you do is nothing else than visualize how TV, TDS evolves against extraction yield um, over the course of your extraction. So in a small series of extractions, uh, we explored how TDS and other chemical markers evolve throughout the extraction. First up, we have a, quite an unexpected result from a fully automatic, uh, which was uh, that we got 18.7% extraction yield in a, in a matter of eight seconds. Because often there's always this talk about, yeah, how can you, how can you extract a decent coffee in under 10 seconds? And I, I must admit, I also thought this is, this is absolutely not possible, at least for, for an espresso. And uh, the astonishing thing is that um, the extraction was so efficient, you see that the points here, this is the first point after one second, this two, three, four, five, so they're always uh, spaced in the same time, but you can see the extraction, the longer it gets, the more inefficient it becomes, because the spacing on the extraction yield axis is getting smaller and smaller. So between six and eight seconds, there's barely anything happening anymore. But in the first four seconds of the extraction, you already uh, reach almost 50% of, of yield. So maybe uh, if somebody finds out uh, a bit more efficient, it will actually be possible to reach a 20% extraction in 10 seconds. But I'm, I'm not sure if this is uh, actually a goal we, we should have had to. <clears throat> So um, you can so you can plot the range of paths on the brewing chart. I uh, used here data from a lot of different extractions we had. We had a very concentrated shot, started out, uh, starting out at more than 25% strength, and uh, depending on on flow rate and the evenness of your extraction, you can take a very different paths on on this model. Dr. Wellinger is now on slide 33, titled "Evolution of a Fully Auto Extraction." So back to my actual data, um, we did an experimental series with a fully automatic machine. We used a single origin coffee from Brazil with a medium roast level. Um, we used a 20 second extraction time and a brew ratio of three, and we split it into eight fractions. And um, in order to get a more even spacing, we chose to have first shorter time intervals because the extraction initially is more efficient, and then at the end make the intervals longer. So first we had four times two seconds intervals, and then we had four times three second intervals. And what we measured was TDS, uh, titrable acidity, caffeine, and chlorogenic acids. So <clears throat> the extraction starts out highly concentrated, and the first half of the beverage contains two thirds of the dissolved solids. And uh, I guess I should go into the graph a bit more. We still got the brewing control chart here with TDS against extraction yield, but now I introduce the second y-axis, and here I put the shot weight. And I know, okay, I ended up at 40 grams of shot weight, and uh, as I said, like the first half of the beverage here at uh, 20 grams is, always at, uh, is already at around 15% extraction yield. If you look uh, at the acidity, you see something that most of you will probably have expected, that the acidity starts out at a much higher rate initially than the, the shot overall. 
that you get a lot of facility initially, but actually it doesn't go down to zero in the latter part, uh, in the last part of the of the extraction. But it actually keeps on extracting a little bit of facility. If you look at chlorogenic acids, you get pretty much a straight line, and having a straight line in this sort of plot means nothing else than the the chemical compound you're measuring, in this instance the chlorogenic acid, extracted at the very same rate than the TDS overall, so than the overall extractable uh, compounds. If you look at caffeine, <clears throat> um, it's kind of the opposite of acidity a bit. You start out uh, kind of a, at a flat rate, at a, lo a low uh, rise, but you get a huge in increase uh, uh, compared to the rest at the end of the extraction. And this is basically because um, caffeine <clears throat> keeps on extracting. It's, it's not so easily soluble. And uh, back here, there's almost no other compounds still extracting a lot, but there's still a considerable amount of caffeine coming. So you, you don't move in extraction yield by much, like barely any, but you still extract another 10% of caffeine at the end. So this is why it, it's almost vertical then at, at the end. And if you then put it all together, you can kind of see how the different dynamics <clears throat> Uh, compared to each other, that the acidity, as suspected, is kind of the fastest extracting, chlorogenic acid is very even, and the caffeine is kind of the slowest of the, of the bunch. Um, then actually, I got um, also the, the same thing I just showed you on a time axis. Uh, I guess it could be a bit confusing now, but um, I just wanted to, for completeness sake, I wanted to show you also what it looks like if you look at it in time and not in uh, comp uh, not with um, in relation to the extraction yield and if you uh, do it cumulative so i always add up what i already had you see that the caffeine already reaches 90% uh, the acidity already reaches 90% at around uh, 12 13 seconds whereas caffeine is still at 70% only <clears throat> And then kind of caffeine keeps on extracting while most of the others, they, they level off. If you look at it by fraction, so kind of differentially, how much does it change in each fraction? You can see that um, uh, chlorogenic acid, overall TDS and, uh, uh, and the acidity, they extract extremely high initially, but then level uh, drop down. Uh, you can also see the shot weight here, which is kind of like the flow rate here that you have a bit of higher flow rate, uh, flow rate initially, then it drops down, and then it increases again. And the caffeine, <clears throat> uh, what I told you before, is actually not perfectly constant, but it's quite constant over time. It is a bit higher initially, but it's, it, uh, in contrast to the others, especially, it doesn't drop down at the end because it's so hard to, do, uh, to um, solubilize it. And this is also one of the reasons why uh, people always say, um, per gram of coffee, you get more caffeine out of a filter coffee than uh, an espresso. And this is simply because you put through a lot more water. So the caffeine has more water to dissolve in. Okay, yeah. This, uh, then I'm already at my conclusions, actually. Um, TDS measured by refractometry reflects uh, extraction levels very accurately for a broad range of brewing conditions and coffees. Uh, for one coffee and similar extraction levels, all common markers correlate very precisely with TDS, um, even across different beverages and uh, machine types. And uh, using the acidity alone, 
um, you can relate the acidity potential of the bean, uh, the buffering capacity of your water, uh, and the resulting acidity of the coffee beverage. So kind of the acidity you have from your um, coffee gets reduced by the alkalinity of your water, and then it results in the acidity of your beverage. And our tongues work much rather like a, a titration machine, which measures the acidity than, uh, than as a pH meter. And it appears that um, it could be very well sufficient to measure TDS against the other uh, parameters once, only once, and then subsequently estimate uh, chlorogenic acid, caffeine, and uh, titrable acidity only by measuring uh, TDS alone and then using the same um, factor you determined before. But of course, you have to determine this for every coffee and, uh, and roast level. And uh, of course, this all has also its limitations. Um, seeing the dynamics uh, that I showed on the last couple of slides, um, not everything evolves at the same speed. And so if you go uh, to very high extraction yields or very low extraction yields, uh, this um, correlation will not hold up anymore because they don't evolve at the same speed. But if you compare extractions at like 20% plus minus two, then it will, be, uh, it will still be very uh, precise. Then uh, I got a, a shorter outlook. Uh, what are we into next? Uh, currently, we're, we're about to um, do uh, much of the same study we did here with filter coffee. We had uh, quite an interesting result, actually, where we saw that um, the coarsely ground coffee extracted faster than the, the fine ground coffee, which is kind of counterintuitive. But what we also saw there is that uh, it seems that finely ground coffee, or we know for a fact that finely ground coffee degasses um, faster. And degassing can also be a kind of like a additional resistance, basically if you have an old coffee, it's almost impossible to pull a, a decent shot of espresso because it extracts too fast. And what you're missing there is the CO2 uh, in the beans, which give you a bit of resistance because as soon as water hits the coffee puck, the CO2, the CO2 wants to get out and it gives you a kind of a diffuse resistance over the whole puck. And if you're missing this, then, um, then it will extract faster. And so if you had the fine ground coffee in, filter co in the filter extraction, it seemed that this uh, degassed faster or more vigorously, and this led to a lower flow rate initially. We saw that the kind of in the later stages of the extraction, the, the fine ground coffee kind of caught up and even uh, at some point overtook the medium and coarse ground. But uh, initially, like the first part of the extraction, the finest was actually extracting the slowest. Um, also, we're into grinding. Um, up till now, there's been a lot of... Um, yeah, when you, when you use, uh, talk about grinding, mostly what people mostly use is like the average particle size. But what uh, most of you will know is that um, grinding coffee actually results in kind of like two different uh, size ranges. You always have a bit of fines and you have the coarse range. And uh, we're also into kind of trying to uh, come up with uh, better estimators of or uh, numbers how to characterize your grinding. First of all, we, we kind of measure how much fines you get. If you get 20% of fines or 30% of fines at a certain grind level, so you can also compare different grinders to each other, which is something uh, I think is uh, still missing. It's kind of hard to uh, compare grinders against each other. Um, and also what is uh, quite an interesting uh, um, development is that um, Scott Rao uh, recently um, had some thoughts about um, how to measure extraction yield 
and what it actually tells you, because there's two um, two very different approaches. Basically, in the end, we we mostly do um, the economical approach, and this is based on measuring the TDS in your cup, and this tells you how much coffee did you get into your cup out of the of the ground coffee, but it doesn't tell you how much. Uh, coffee has actually been extracted because there's still some leftover liquid between the coffee grounds. And um, especially for um, immersion extractions, uh, so for example French press, you also get quite a lot of liquid retained in the coffee at the end. And um, <clears throat> so you can basically, you can choose how much, either you just concentrate on what you get in your cup, and this is kind of the bang for your buck, and the other um, version would be, or the other approach would be, to try to estimate how much has actually been extracted from your coffee in total. So this would then include all the uh, leftover water that's still uh, between your grounds. And this could well be a bit closer to the actual um, sensory impression, because if you, for example, if you extract, based on what you read in your cup, you extract 20%, and then you go back and kind of try to push out all the remaining water between your grounds and measure this too, then you could well end up at 22 or 23%. So you actually are, even though you didn't know this when you only measured your beverage, you could actually have over-extracted it. And so I guess there's, uh, there's going to be some, uh, um, yeah, there's going to be some more uh, thinking uh, we'll all have to do to uh, come up with a solution on how to handle this. Um, before last, I also uh, can um, tell you that all data that uh, has been shown here was gathered and interpreted uh, by myself. So uh, there's no other sources involved here. And uh, lastly, uh, I want to show you a short, uh, short view of uh, where I actually work. It's the Coffee Excellence Center, headed by Sean Yerezian. We have uh, kind of five pillars here. We have Sebastian Oppitz, who's also a biologist and a chemist. He has a double degree. He's mainly concentrated on origin, so on green coffee quality. We have Samos Mürke, who's mainly involved in transformation. This is namely roasting. Myself, I'm mostly into the extraction part and the sensory analysis. We have Anja Ram, uh, Dr. Anja Ram, which is a, she's a aroma specialist, and we have Sabine Stavocher, who's helping us with uh, uh, education. Questions, anyone? When you're, when you're plotting out um, your TDS uh, samples by the second, yeah. um, how, are you, how are you doing that? Are you, just, are you just like sticking a pipette down there and pulling one you know, every second? Oh. Or how, do you, how do you plot? If, so, if we wanted to kind of replicate something similar. Yeah, okay. Uh, we got a, a couple of different systems. Uh, the one I showed here was um, the, was a student of ours who uh, who helped with the work. And um, basically, you have have you ever seen this uh, split your espresso seven ways? You call it basically a piece of wood with shot glasses in it. Oh, okay. And then they're kind of uh, aligned so the rim of one glass touches the rim of the next. Okay. Then and you got the timer by the sides. And then you're just sliding it. Yeah, and then you're oh. just sliding it. Okay. I mean, there's also a more sophisticated approach with uh, kind of there is kind of sample turntables. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have used this to uh, kind of just put all the samples in there, and then it it uh, turns automatically. Okay. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, I saw your titratable acidity was you were quantifying it in terms of 
um, calcium carbonate. Yeah. Explain why why you were expressing it like that and how you relate it. So if you're titrating it with sodium hydroxide, how you're relating that. Because there's so many different acids in coffee, and it's hard to just choose one to relate it from whatever your your units of sodium hydroxide to whatever you're expressing it as. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I I know where you're going with this. Because there's been a... I mean, there's also the, the issue that people th- say, uh, but you, you have magnesium in your water. How do you express that in calcium carbonate, PPM calcium carbonate? And it's, it's kind of a weird unit, I have to admit. Um, it's, uh, the thing is that if you dissolve limestone, like calcium carbonate in water, you get two components out of it. You get total hardness, which is the calcium part, but you also get the hydrogen carbonate. And the hydrogen carbonate is basically a, a base. And uh, then you can, and then you can uh, uh, relate the kind of molar amount of hydrogen carbonate. You can relate to how much scale it would form. And this is what uh, what ppm calcium carbonate actually tells you. If you have 100 ppm calcium carbonate, it tells you that you get 100 milligrams of scale per liter of water. And uh, and this way, um, you can also transform this ppm calcium carbonate into molar units. For hydrogen carbonate, no, and then you can uh, you can just take it the inverse. No, hydrogen carbonate can uh, we usually use it here in coffee as a base, but uh, you can also do uh, you can say okay, this many moles of um, uh, for example cl- um, how do you call it HCl of saltsoide, what is it again? Um, yeah, of a specific acid. Let's take sulfuric acid. How many moles of sulfuric acid it would take to neutralize 100 ppm calcium carbonate of alkalinity? Mm-hmm. That's how you uh, get in line. Oh, okay. So you're not expressing it for a specific acid. You're expressing it as total acid. As total acid. It's total acidity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That that makes sense. Thank okay. You. Thanks. Hello. I just had a curiosity Hello. regarding your data collection yeah. plan. So as you were um, collecting your data on acidity and correlating that to TDS, what type of of software were you using to uh, express those correlation curves? I mean, the, the graphs itself, they were all in Excel. In Excel? Actually. Yeah. Okay, so you're not yeah. using, like, a Minitab or any type of advanced um, Statistic software? Statistic, yeah, statistical no. software. <laughs> Actually, I mean, there's the, the issue is that um, <clears throat> we do so much uh, different things that, they, um, that it's usually not worth it to have something more specialized. Mm-hmm. I guess this is um, more suitable if you do a more routine al- analysis. And uh, this way, I, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we just use Excel. But I mean, we do have R also for like more complex stuff. We use R. Um, but uh, in this case, it's uh, fairly simple. Cool. Thank you. Okay, seems that's it. Thanks so much. That was Dr. Marco Wellinger at Expo in 2018. Remember to check out our show notes for a full transcript of today's lecture and visit worldofcoffee.org for tickets to our next run of lectures. This has been an episode of the SCA podcast. Thank you for joining us.